Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I'm going to go to Matthew 11:12 12 to begin my message today on the impact of Christianity. You know, before I do that, though, guys, I want to pull up this, I, I want to pull up this screen, the definition of impact, the impact of generosity. I don't want you to miss this. I've been very intentional about this series because I believe it's almost a prophetic time for this church. In fact, it is a prophetic time for every church that seizes the moment. Uh, I believe what we're studying and learning and, and, and delving into right now is exactly in the timing of God. I don't think there's anything that we could be hearing that's more important to us. And so uh, uh, I, I want you to see that. The, the, the basic definition of impact is force. It's the forceful impact of one object against another. Force. You say, well, Pastor, is that a... I, I know some people, we've kind of... Uh, I want to be careful with my, my language today. We've, we've kind of developed a, a uh, passive culture. Uh, it, it, you know, it, we, 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 we we're passive. We, we want Christians to be passive. We want everybody to chill out and hold back and, you know, be quiet. And, 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 and so here I'm in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, the, the Spirit of God leading us to deal with not just generosity, but the force of generosity, the impact of generosity. What happens when, when, when one object forcefully collides with another object. Impact is not, a, is not a passive word. Impact is not a half-hearted word. Impact is not a lukewarm word. Anybody tracking along with me right now? All right, all right. I want you to get impact and force. And so we might ask ourselves the question, say, well, pastor, you know, is, is that too strong? You know, for us to, as an identity, as believers, is that too strong? Is, are, are we being overdramatic? Well, let, let's, let's see what Jesus said about who we are and how we operate in this season. Matthew eleven twelve. I have it for you first in the King James translation. Jesus said this, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, okay, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Let's leave that up there for a minute. Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth or is taken hold of, is accessed by violence. You say, well, what are you talking about? This word doesn't mean uh, violence that is unlawful and ungodly, but it's a heart attitude. It's a mindset. It's an understanding that we're in a spiritual warfare. Is anybody with me today? The coronavirus is extremely real. To say that's not real is, is ridiculous. But Satan is using this thing to create havoc everywhere he can. And last time I checked, Satan doesn't fire blank bullets in his warfare. He doesn't use his weakest weapons. He's not passive. The Bible says he's a thief. And he comes to steal what's most important to you. He comes to destroy what's of highest value. And Jesus said that when you look at the kingdom of heaven coming to this earth, that we have to every once in a while do a reality check in our lives and recognize that it's not all about sitting around singing kumbaya and putting daisies in our hair and winking at each other. But there's some force involved in this thing. Anybody with me right now? There's some force involved in this because it's warfare. All right? So uh, 
And, and, and what do we do? Again, the word violence here, if you do your research and study the language, we're not talking about unlawful acts. We're talking about a spiritual mindset. And he says, we're going to have to take some things by force. Look at it in the Passion Translation. I want you to see it so we, we make sure we get the understanding. From the moment John stepped onto the scene, I like that. From the moment this young man who was birthed uh, by a miracle. Remember his, his father Zachariah was a priest. His mother was unable to conceive in their old age. They had an angelic visitation. And John the Baptist was conceived miraculously with a mission to be the forerunner of Christ. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. Come on, I love that. How many love that? The realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. Again, check out the terminology. I've got to work on our mindset today. It didn't say the realm of heaven's kingdom is slowly behind the scenes, trickling here and there. He says it's bursting on the scene, all right? Bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Amen? Let's look at this again. From the moment John, this is Jesus speaking, setting the stage, giving us the mindset. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. So let's think about this moment we're in. Every one of us, every one of us have been impacted in some way by the coronavirus pandemic. Every one of us, without any doubt. We've all been impacted in some way, some form or fashion. Every one of us right now are being impacted as our nation is struggling with how do we respond to social injustice? How do we create genuine equality? How do we find equality and love and respect for each other without a political agenda attached to it? How do we find a way to do that biblically and godly? We are affected by the forces that are, that are pulling on us in this culture right now. We've all been impacted by it. So why have we been so impacted by it? Think of that. What has made the coronavirus so impactful? Why, why has it touched every part of our culture? Economically, politically, even impacting the, the, the freedoms to go to church. How, how, why was that so impactful? Why? Because it was unexpected. No one saw it coming. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. Let's be honest. You know, the coronavirus did not have a plan B option. There wasn't a coronavirus spare tire somewhere. You know, like you had a flat. Well, I don't worry. I've got a spare tire here. Well, when the coronavirus hit us, we didn't have, oh, don't worry. We got, no, we didn't have anything. And the impact was because it was unexpected, unforeseen, hit us out of nowhere. And, 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 and we reeled with that. Are you with me now? But here's what I want you to understand. You have to listen to what I'm going to say closely, okay? So the impact, the force of the coronavirus on our entire culture was so profound and continues to be because it was unexpected. 
Everything has been some kind of follow-up. Let's be honest. Well, what do we do? We, you know, we, we try to figure out how to do school now. We, 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 you know, you come to church and everybody that greets you's got a mask on, and, and and all of our volunteers have a mask on, and we we do the uh, you know the temperature check and fill out a form, and, and and we jump through all kinds of hoops. Why? Because we're we're responding, we're pivoting, we're we, you know there wasn't a plan B. We're doing all we can do on the fly. Everybody with me? It was unexpected, but listen. But when the unexpected happens to you, this is what I want you to see. When the unexpected happens, if you do the unexpected, the impact's greater than it could ever be. I want to say that again. When the unexpected happens, if you and I respond in an unexpected way, we turn the force against us into a force for us. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, the, the, the expected response to the coronavirus is that we roll up the carpet, is that we go hide, is that we become intimidated, we become fearful, we become discouraged, we become disillusioned, we, 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 we become passive, we, we hide and run. That's the expected reaction to a pandemic. It's understandable. That's human nature. Fear, intimidation, not knowing what to do. But listen, listen, listen. But if we respond to the unexpected in an unexpected way, we turn the force of that into our favor. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that during the coronavirus pandemic, if we respond to the unexpected with the impact of generosity, we have an opportunity to flip the script and turn everything that has been negative and discouraging and debilitating into an opportunity for the power of God to walk into the situation and show how great the kingdom of God is. God's looking for a moment to do what Jesus said for the kingdom of God to burst forth and for passionate people to take hold of its power. So again, what you would expect everyone to do with, with, with this coronavirus thing is to be fearful, uncertain, to think of lack, to, be, to, to walk in division. But generosity, the impact of that is saying, let's look at this the way Jesus looks at it. Let's respond the way Jesus would respond. Instead of doing those other things, we've been transformed, haven't we, by the power of God? Our mindset is different. Our understanding is different. We're like Abraham. We've been blessed to be a blessing. How many can say amen to that in this room today? Are you still blessed during the virus? Yes. Are we still blessed in 2020? Yes. I'm not willing to give my birthright away just because a pandemic happened. I'm not willing to throw my faith out the window just because a pandemic happened. I'm not willing to walk off and give up. We're battling some things. We've taken some blows. Our beloved Pastor Tony and Pastor Emilio dealing with some health things. Can I tell you something? Jesus is still the healer. Jesus is still the provider. We still walk by faith and not by sight. And we will stand with those men until they are completely recovered. We're not going to respond the expected way. We're going to respond the unexpected way. What are we going to do? We're going to love people. We're going to serve people. We're, we're, we're going to give. We're, we're not going to hoard. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to run and hide. You know, I love, uh, uh, for, I, I love 
these kinds of things, just simple things. I, you know, if, I, I thank God. I don't go to the grocery store very much. Phyllis is so good to take care of all those things. And, you know, I wander around in there like a lost sheep when I have to go. It's just pathetic. You know, I have older ladies come up to me. I must look pitiful. And they say, could I help you, sir? I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for beans. Can you get, get me over there, please? You know, people come up and ask me, can they help me there? I, I don't try to look that. It just is, you know. With the mask, it's not as noticeable, but I'm there. And we were walking through, and, and there was something that Phyllis really likes, just one of the few little things she enjoys. And, and, and there hadn't been some, and there it was. And I said, look, there it is, Phyllis. And, and I said, I said, you're going to get two of those? She said, no. She said, I'm going to get what I need. Somebody else might need that other one. See, we don't do what other people do because we have something that has transformed our life. Are you with me? You get what I'm saying? When the unexpected happens and we react unexpectedly, we turn this thing around for the glory of God. Instead of hoarding, we're giving. Instead of hiding, we're loving. Instead of allowing these things to come back and rule us, we begin to let the kingdom come and God to come in our life. Now, I'm, I'm going to have to say something, and, and, and this, I'm stretching it out so far. In fact, the ice is cracking under my feet right now. The ice is thin. You understand what I'm saying? Who's going to pray for me right now? Will you pray for me? Somebody's got to say it. I've got to say some things in the next few weeks that, that are going to be interesting, all right? But let me just do this one. Listen, if, if, if you're staying home and, and worshiping online with us because of illness or the coronavirus, you're doing exactly what you need to do. You hear what I'm saying? You're exactly where you need to be. If you have a pre-existing condition, take care of yourself. If you're sick, don't come. If, you're, if there are issues that cause you to stay home and worship uh, or distance, that's exactly where you need to be. Can somebody say amen to that? No guilt, no shame. That's exactly where you need to be. But I had a gentleman from our church, very committed, uh, uh, one of our great guys at Calvary, and I was talking with him this week. He said, Pastor? I said, what? He said, you need to get on to us a little bit. I said, what do I need to get on to us about. He said, well, last Sunday, he said, I got up. I could have come to church. Everything's fine. I'm not sick. All's well. But he said, you know, I kind of got in this habit. Well, kind of got in this habit, you know, and he said, I could have got up. I could have come. But you know, he said, I just decided, I just, you know, put you on the phone, chill for a while. Well, that's the best you can do. That's what you need to do. But I believe right now that, that part of this pandemic thing is, is, is a divisive attack. Right. To divide and conquer has always been Satan's plan. And he would love to divide us racially, but we're not going to do that because we're the family of God around this house. So you, we're not going to do that. We're not going to fall for all this stuff. I believe there's an attack against the church gathering. I really believe it. There's an attack that the enemy brings. If there is a physical, medical reason, you should be home and be at peace and we're going to bless you with everything we've got. But you know, if we're gathering at Walmart and we're gathering at Lowe's and we're gathering in the football stadiums and we're gathering to eat Somebody needs to set us free to go back to church. Now, I know you're not supposed to say that, but I just did. We've got to stop reacting to the unexpected the way they expected us to. 
And we need to start reacting to the unexpected in an unexpected way. You see, an army is not an army till it gathers. You may say, I've got them over here and got them over there, but you don't win any battles till the army gets on the battlefield and says, let's get this thing done. A football team may be a great idea, but you don't win games till you suit them up and get on the field. A church is a gather. It's the people of God. It's the body of Christ. And we've got to stand up in our hearts and faith and say, when this thing's over, there's not going to be less of us. There's going to be more of us. We're not have given up and gone away and tucked our tail and run and hid. We are the army of the living God. And the passionate grab hold of its power and take it by force. And we're going to do what the devil did not expect us to do see we didn't have a plan b for the coronavirus listen to me but hell doesn't have a plan b when we react in a different way than they thought we would we have to understand when we do the unexpected to the unexpected we flipped it around and use it for the glory of god anybody with me on this thing somebody's got to do it i did it all right i want you to go to second sam second samuel uh, I want you to turn Second Samuel, and I lost my place here, uh, tw- for chapter 24. Second Samuel 24, beginning in verse number 2. Let me give you a real quick, let me show you what happens when you, re- when you react unexpectedly to the unexpected. Let me show you the power of this. It's stunning. And we get the opportunity to do this. <clears throat> I'm excited about this. So here we are. I'm, there's a lot in this chapter. I'm going to kind of skip down just to give you the narrative. This is probably... Well, without probably, aside from David's uh, complete failure with Bathsheba, this is the one that could have ended the kingdom. So he's near the end of his time as king. He's grown older. He should be wiser, but he made a big mistake. For some reason, he said, instead of trusting God, and God had told him that don't put your strength in your armies. He'd been very clear. Don't put your strength in your horses. Put your trust in the Lord. Some reason, for some reason, David says, you know, I need to count my fighting men. And, and, and God had said, don't do that. I'm the God of battle. I'm the one who brings you through. But he gave the order. Even his general, Joab, said, King, wh- wh- why are you doing this? God's with us. He said, you go do it. So he went and he, he, he counted the men. He comes back with a report. Let's go to verse number 10. In chapter 24, have you ever, don't raise your hand, (laughs) have you ever done something as soon as you did it, you thought, dear God, why did I do that? I said, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. I'm trying to give you a break here, right? I mean, as soon as you did it, why did I do that? What was I thinking? What's wrong with me? David had one of those moments. As soon as he had come back with a report, (laughs) verse 10, David was conscience stricken, conscience stricken stricken after he had counted the fighting men and he said to the lord i have sinned greatly in what i've done now lord i beg you to take away the guilt of your servant i have done a very foolish thing i have sinned greatly i've done a foolish thing god i'm sorry the next day the prophet comes to him says god got an answer for you how many know there are consequences to sin how many heard what i just said their consequences. God forgives. Listen to him trying to help you out. Forgiveness doesn't mean it takes away all the consequences. 
Sometimes we do something so crazy, you're going to have to deal with it. How many heard what I just said? Forgiveness is forgiveness. <laughs> consequences are consequences. So the prophet says, okay, you got three choices. All right? You can, uh, he says, you, your, your enemies can come against you for, for three days. Your, your enemies are going to attack you. You, 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 you can pick that. Uh, or there can be uh, three years of famine. Or you can fall, or three months of your enemy attacking you. Three years of famine, three months of your enemy attacking you, or three days of the judgment of God. David at least had the wisdom to say, don't let me fall in the hands of my enemy. I'd rather be in the hands of God. Taking a consequence than anything else. So it started. So a plague fell on that nation because of their leader's sin. 70,000 people died. And we come to this place. Let's drop down to verse number 15. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from the morning until the end of uh, the time designated. And 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. Watch this. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord was grieved because of the calamity and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, enough. How many are thankful for the mercy of God? For the mercy of God. They, he, they deserved it, but the mercy of God says that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. So we keep reading. Uh, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then. Look at this. Where, was, where did this happen? At the threshing floor of Aravna, the Jebusite. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. On that day, Gad, the prophet, went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aravna, the Jebusite. So here at this place, I want you to understand that was not a coincidence. You've got to see this very quickly. You've got to see this, the impact of generosity. So God says at this place, see, sometimes in our failures and our mistakes and our walking through a challenge, we don't realize, listen to me, that God is still completely in control. That God's plan is completely in order, waiting for you and I to get back in that plan. How many hear what I'm saying? So he was at the threshing floor of Aravna, the Jebusite. And so David goes to buy that so he can all build the altar and make the sacrifice. And when Aravna sees David, the king, coming up, he bows and says, King, what have you come? What can I do? He said, I'm here to buy your threshing floor and build an altar to the Lord. And Aravna said, Oh, no, king, anything you need is yours. I give it to you. You can have it. You don't have you just, just take it. It's yours. Now, that, that was a kind gesture. And David's dealing with some rough things right now. And you might think that the normal reaction would be, thank God, I'm glad. Thank you for giving it to me. I need a break. Are you with me? On and on. That would have been the reaction. But I want you to go here, and I want you to go to verse 24. But the king replied to Aradna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. In a moment where you would think this suffering man in the great crisis of his life would say, hey, thank you. I'm glad I don't have to do anything else. He said, no, even in the crisis, I want you to know something. I will not offer something to God that costs me nothing. In other words, he said, I'm going to do the right thing here, no matter the circumstance. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. Verse 25, David built an altar there, sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings 
Then the Lord answered prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel stopped. What I want you to see here is that in this moment, David did more than what was required. More than what was required. David met the moment of a gift and said, I don't miss this. I need to give something to God. I need to respond to God. I have to do more than required of me. He did the unexpected. He responded in a way that was more than he had to do. There are going to be moments, I want you to hear me, in crisis where how we respond will determine the impact of that moment. Not just for us, but for everyone. Now, here's what I want you to see. That mountain, that spot, that very location where David bought the threshing floor of Aravna was the very place centuries before that Abraham had brought his son Isaac. And God had said, will you offer the boy to me? And Abraham, are you listening to me, did more than anybody had to do. More than you would have expected him to do. The boy he had waited for for 25 years. The answer that he held on for 25 years. God says, I want you to kill that answer. Kill that promise. And Abraham said, I'll do it. When you and I do the unexpected, when the unexpected happens, it flips the script and the power of God comes in that moment. So Abraham brought Isaac there on this very Mount Moriah, this place, and met Jehovah Jireh, the provider God. Centuries later, there is David coming before the Lord and saying, God, I've sinned, but I want to build an altar. I want to repent. I want to offer you something. I want to give back. God, I'm at a threshing floor. A threshing floor is where you separate the wheat from the chaff. It's where the useful gets separated from the unuseful. It's an altar where sin is burned off and we get back right with God. Anybody listening to me right now? And when we get to the place with God where we say, Lord, it doesn't matter what it costs me. I don't care the the price I have to pay. I just want to get my life right with you. I want you to separate the junk out of my life. And I want to give you an offering. I don't want to give you a half-hearted offering. I don't want to give you just my Sunday. Come on, anybody with me? I don't want to just go through the motion. I want to come through the coronavirus and love you like I never loved you. Follow you like I've never followed you. Know you like I've never known you. David is on the very spot where Abraham had the same need. But this is what you've got to see. I want you to quickly turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1. Turn there with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. What David did in that moment was about to change the history of a nation. How we respond to the unexpected in an unexpected way. How we bring in the impact of generosity when no one thought it was going to happen. The reach is so far Look at chapter 3. Are you with me? 2 Chronicles 3, 1. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Where did he build it? On Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Aravna, the Jebusite, the place provided by David. David's act of generosity was a missing link between history and prophecy. When David stood on that place and said, I refuse to give my God a worthless sacrifice, the plan of God connected Abraham with that spot, and he provided the place where Solomon would build that temple. It's where the glory of God would rest. 
It's where the Shekinah glory of God would glow. It was where a whole nation would now be brought close to the presence of God. Do you see that in our greatest failure, if we can respond with generosity to God, it creates a foundation for the next thing God's going to do. Do you know today if we respond unexpectedly to the unexpected, that we create a moment for God to step in and, and, and release his presence and, and fulfill prophecy and connect all the plan of God? What would it be? What could it be? What might it be that what was unexpected for you and I has not caught God off guard? The coronavirus isn't from God, but I believe God's with us in the middle of this thing. And what if God knew that you and I had what it takes to walk in this virus and trust him in the middle of it? What if God knew that he could trust us with this moment, that some divine plan is on the horizon about to happen? Is anybody listening to me right now? That if we get our nose up out of the virus and get our eyes on God and connect with the greatness of God, it just may be that how you and I respond to this moment might connect the prophecies of a latter-day outpouring with the actual outpouring of God in the latter days that God may just be looking for someone who will say, God, I'm going to react unexpectedly to the unexpected. I'm going to be generous when I should be hoarding. I'm going to be loving when I should be dividing. I'm going to be serving when I should be finding something on my own. I'm going to be praying and believing instead of giving up and going away. God, what if we're the generation? What if we're the people that God said, if I can find somebody at an altar on a threshing floor who will do what I'm supposed to do, what if they allow me to connect all the prophecies with the plans I have for this next generation? The impact of generosity is unlimited. The impact of doing the unexpected when the unexpected happens allows the kingdom of God to come with force and with power. I want you to look at one last passage, and then we're going to pray together. Let's go in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Could it be, anybody tracking along with me here, could it be that we're here with an opportunity to do something that will impact the generations? What if it's our turn? David could have missed God. David could have failed. He, he, he could have, instead of the threshing floor and the altar being the connection with history and prophecy, he could have missed his moment. He said, no, I'm not going to do what I have to do. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go above. I'm going to go beyond. I'm going to say, God, I want this offering to mean something to me. Let's look at this. How does this happen in our day and time? How do, how do ordinary guys like you and me do something that allows the kingdom of God to explode in a hurting nation? Could we be a part of that? Could the steps we're taking now do that? What if one of the missionaries we send to a nation is the missionary God uses to turn that nation back to God? What if that? What if? What if? What if, what if the, you know, these, these women come, coming in our dream center graduating, what if, what if they become the directors of dream centers and it just multiplies? What if? What if we can see that happen during the bubonic plague in South Africa John G. Lake, one of the early apostles out of the outpouring in Azusa Street at the turn of last, beginning of last century, went to South Africa. 
people dying. His own wife died. It was a plague. It's horrible. And they actually, this is a little graphic, because this man wouldn't get sick. He wouldn't get sick. He wouldn't get sick. The doctors literally took some of the spittle from the mouth of a person who just died with the plague, and they put it on his hand under a microscope. I'm, I'm going to get letters on this. It's okay. It's documented. And they looked at it, and it literally, under a microscope, with medical attention, began to cells began to simply die and dissipate in his hand. Couldn't attack and invade that anointed man's body. It just would not happen. And what if God would do that again? What if God would do that again? What if the coronavirus stopped because the breath of God? I know people who could say, what if it stopped because God stopped it? What if he's waiting a moment for somebody to do the unexpected? I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I don't want you to do anything crazy. I want you to be obedient to God. I want you to stand on the word of God. I want us to be men and women that said, what if this is our moment? What if this is the time? There's an uptick in, div- in divorce and domestic violence and drug use and alcohol use and abuse and suicide. We, our, our culture is literally under a pandemic of bad responses to the coronavirus. But what if God could raise up a people in this time who instead of having divorce and suicide and drug abuse and, 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 and domestic violence and all those things, what if we rise to the top right now and our marriages are strong and our love is good and our grace is good and our, and our kindness is good and our generosity is good and in the middle of the darkness someone has to say there is something about those people that brings the kingdom in. And how do we do that? How do we do that with all these things? It works in every area of your life. Look in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. You start where you are with what you have. How many heard what I just said? You start where you are with what you have. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Don't just put dollar signs in your mind right now. I'm talking about your whole life. It includes my money and my time. And my gifts and my talents. Anybody with me right now? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. See, we're supposed to be sparing in the pandemic. What if we're generous in the pandemic? Let's keep going. Each man, each woman should decide, uh, give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. See, do it with cheer. Do it as unto God. Somebody's pushing every button in your life. Come on, tell the truth. You, you know, some, some of your husbands and wives spent more time together than you ever have lately. And you found out there's some things that you're not enjoying. Let me put it that way. But what if instead of making it a crisis, you turn it into a moment for God? You just generously give love, give kindness, give forgiveness. Anybody with me here? We're talking about real life. This is not fairy tales. It's life in the kingdom. All right? Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. How many need everything grace will do coming at you today? I need everything grace will happen to George Sawyer. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. You see that? In every good work. 
In every facet of our life, we start responding unexpectedly to the unexpected, and the kingdom starts coming in with abundance. As it is written, he scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Look at verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, remember the verse I read today, David said, how are we so generous? We only gave you what you put in our hand. How do we do what we do? Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed and will lord the harvest of your righteousness. Why did Convoy of Hope call us and send that big red, white, and blue truck to Decatur yesterday? Because we did what we could with what we had. And God said, I'll not only supply your seed, I'll enrich the store of your seed. How do you become a better husband? How do you become a better wife? How do we become better parents? How do we become a better church? We do what we can with what we have. We respond in a way that's unexpected in the unexpected time. And God just keeps increasing. What happens? Verse 11. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's the church. That's the individual. That's the family that brings impact for the kingdom in this unexpected time. And I just, it's like God is just saying, come on, give me a chance. Give me a shot. Go ahead and respond in an unexpected way. Go ahead and do what they didn't expect you to do. We we don't want to back up on sending our missionaries and our dream centers and and, and feeding and doing what we do. God, and so right here boldly, unexpectedly, I had people tell me, don't talk about kingdom builders this year. What are we going to do? We're going to walk off from all the things kingdom builders do? I don't believe I'm lessening you. I believe we're increasing because we're getting a chance to do what God wants us to do. Next Sunday, we're going to come in this place. We're going to boldly declare, we've been praying, God, this is what you want to do through me and my family in the next year. Online, I need you to do it. This is not a time to watch. It's a time to engage with us. I'm going to need everybody in this church and everybody that's on board. Why? Because we've got, we've got more women to graduate from the Dream Center. We've got more missionaries to keep them on the field. We've got more Bibles we need to put in people's hands. We have more opportunities than ever before. And and I'm not afraid to ask you to do what my wife and I and my family are doing. I'm not afraid to ask us to respond the way Scripture responds. Next week, we're going to take a bold step. And I believe God is just saying, give me a chance. Just give me a chance. Just do the unexpected. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Agree with me. Give me, a, give me an opportunity. Uh, 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 let me come work through you. We're going to see the glory of God. How many can say amen to that? I believe right now I want you to stand with me. Come on, stand and, and worship team come. Church family, I believe we are being given an opportunity by God to make an impact for his kingdom during this coronavirus in a way that's unprecedented. I don't think it's going to be business as usual. I don't think we need business as usual. I think what we need right now is to say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to respond in a way you would have me respond. I believe God is setting us up to connect what he promised to it happening very soon. What if, the, what if this next outbreak in this nation, what if a great awakening is right here on the other side of how we respond to this virus? Anybody listening to me today? What if, what if an outpouring at your work, an outpouring in our schools, what, what, if, what if we begin to talk about, come on, you've you got to think bigger. We've got to have bigger faith. What if we begin to talk about instead of the virus at the school, what if we begin to, the number starts being, how many kids got saved this week? 
How many people were healed and delivered? How many people were transformed by the power of God? What, what if, do you know the city of New York and one of the great awakenings, there were so many people that got saved and so many prayer meetings going on that every day at noon in New York City, the downtown churches were filled with noon prayer meetings that shut the city down. Why can't God do it again? Why can't it happen in our time? Why can't we be part of that? I'm believing God. Anybody want to believe with me today? I'm believing God. But I have to respond in an unexpected way to the unexpected times. Today I want us to sing this before we go. He's the way maker. He's the way maker. He's the way maker. He's the God who keeps his promise. huh? He's the God who does the miracles. You know, I, reading my Bible, I've kind of discovered something. I never saw him part a sea or a river until somebody walked up and put their foot in it. All the viewers, all of you and I that just want to sit in or out of church, I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about online on site now, I'm just talking about theoretical Christians. <laughs> we got a lot of theoretical Christians in America today. They believe in a God somewhere. They believe in the theory of Christianity. But I got to go back again. Everybody that really has a waymaker testimony, are you with me, church? Put their foot in the water first. How many are with me right now? Put their foot in the water. Everybody that saw him make a way had to go to a place, listen to me, where only God could make a way from that point on. Everyone who ever saw him do a miracle had to believe God could do that miracle and had the faith to ask him. Do you understand that? Everyone who ever saw him be the light in the darkness saw it because the devil was trying to bring darkness on them. But they didn't run and hide. They stood and the light showed up. Let's do the unexpected to the unexpected and watch God come in and make a way where there was no way. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.